What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week 16 of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019 NFL season. And I know I say it every year, but my God, we've only got two weeks left in the regular season. God, the NFL season goes quick. Something of a mixed bag for us in week 15, but all in all, I'll take that week as a win. We did our job straight up going 10-6 and six in the 16 games last week. 139 up, 84 down with the one tie on the season so far. Against the spread, we were just a little bit underwater. We did have a push at 7-8-1 and one on the picks against the spread last week. We're only 103, 117, and 4 on the season, which means we have to be plus 14 in the next two weeks to get up to 500. No problem, right? On the over-under, pretty decent week. 9-7 and seven on the totals. Now 109, 112, and 3 on the totals. So we are still well within striking distance to get up over 500. Hopefully, fingers crossed, on the totals before the end of the season. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. Also a mixed bag. That is usually always a reflection of how the rest of the week went. I only went 2-2 two and two straight up. My silver pick and my bronze pick both wound up losing their games straight up. Those being San Francisco against Atlanta. They dropped a 29-22 to decision there. And Tennessee losing a very important game to the Houston Texans, 24-21. to I did correctly tell you to take Baltimore to beat the Jets and the Patriots to beat the Bengals. Against the spread, I was only 1-3. and three. I mean, I had San Francisco and Tennessee covering the spread as favorites, so there's two losses there right away. I had the Jets covering plus 14.5. That very much did not happen. So the only one that I got correct last week, unfortunately, was the Patriots covering minus 9.5. Pretty easy to do when you film the other team's practices. And on the totals, also only 1-3. and three. The only one I got was over 47 points in San Francisco, Atlanta, that wild game game between the Niners and the Falcons. Uh, I told you to go over 50 in Tennessee, Houston. They only get to 45. Told you to stay under 45 and under 40 and a half respectively in Baltimore, New York and New England and Cincinnati. Both of those games go over by a decent clip. In the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick em pools, I basically stay put to where I was last week. I did drop one spot in my own pool now sitting in 6th place out of 37, 1,226 out of 1,792 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 68%, and overall on a season, there's not really much of anything wrong with that. Brought in 94 of 136 possible confidence points last week. That's a clip of 69%, which is nice, but it wasn't good enough to win week 15. Shout out to our week 15 winner, shit out of luck. I've called his name multiple times this season. An excellent 13 and 3 week last week in a week where about half a dozen straight up underdogs won their games. So 13 and 3, 119 out of 136 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 88% was good enough to win week 15. Justin V remains the overall leader, has basically led from the get-go this season, 145, 78, and 1, so he's six straight-up picks better than I am, uh, 1,278 of 1,792 possible confidence points for a current championship clip of 71%.
in the YouTube Progs Pick'em League, I still sit in ninth place out of 36 with my 139 correct straight up picks this season out of the 224 games played. That's a clip of 62%. Nothing wrong with it. I'd like it to be over 65 and much closer to 70, but it is what it is on this season. Brought in 10 of the 16 games correct last week. That's a clip of 63%, so we did our job. Shout out to our week 15 winner for the second week in a row, I believe, Rachel's Picks. Now, I mean, she shared it last week. She's all alone this week. 12 and 4 last week straight up that's a clip of 75 percent picking the game straight up nothing wrong with that at all good enough for rachel's picks to win week 15 bubsy's picks remains our overall leader and he's out in front by a good clip over me but i think he's only widening his lead overall 150 of the 224 games picked correctly straight up that's a clip of 67 percent and it's good enough to lead this community so shout out to shit out of luck and rachel's picks for winning week 15 and justin v and bubsy's picks for remaining our overall leaders. Let's take a peek into Fantasy Corner and see how my eight fantasy football teams did in week 15 action. I was about to say week 14, kind of went 14. Week 14, that's what we'll call it. Went six and two in my eight matchups last week. Now again, in my own league, the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, I'm in the consolation round, but I did pick up the win over Chris Carter's Tomorrowland Movers. That has me playing for the fifth place position this week, week 16, the last week of the playoffs. If your league has any credibility whatsoever, never play week 17. Week 16, I got a fifth place matchup against Stephen McWilliams, Max Maniacs. It's a projected loss for me right now, so I'm projected to finish sixth place, which I believe is one spot better than what I finished last season. Pretty sure I finished seventh last year, but I'm in the fifth place game against Max Maniacs, currently projected to lose. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, that's where the real excitement was. I had a semifinal matchup against the blind Canadian Cats, I should have lost, <laughs> put it that way. I only didn't lose because Devin Singletary had butterfingers. Two fumbles in the Sunday night football game for Singletary, and that is the only reason I wound up beating Cody by about a point because, man, it was like 162 point something to 161 point something. It was the kind of sweat that you love if you love fantasy football, I kind of feel bad because, again, I should have lost. And I barely squeaked him out to get a first-round bye to begin with. So I'm like, I'm the bane of Cody's fantasy existence this season. Um, he brought it in every single matchup that we had this season. Pretty sure we had some tight matchups last season as well. But I'm in the finals of the NFL YouTube Prognosticators League, and I'm pretty sure I'm in four or five other finals in other leagues. But this is the big one, the finals against Chalupa Batman. Right now, I'm about a five-point favorite to win, but I've got a ton of work to do on that roster and my other rosters that are vying for championships. And I'll take the opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you can find all of my results from last week 
all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week 16 in the 2019 NFL season. You can find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools. I'm quite sure that both of those pools continue throughout the playoffs, so it is still not too late to get shouted out if you win a week in those pools. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at NerdTees. Don't say I didn't tell you, folks. Your opportunity has come and gone, basically, to get your Nerd Tees for Christmas, unless you live in the Ontario area. If you do, take a stop down in Woodstock, Ontario. Get yourself some lovely, lovely Nerd Tees. But maybe you're looking for that special treat for your New Year's party, in which case, nerdtees.ca, use that promo code BWFINEST, you're going to save 15% on any order, on every order that you make on nerdtees.ca. You're going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over 75 bucks, or if you live in the continental United States, two clicks of a button, everything is in U.S. prices for you. I'm sure it's that way in Alaska and Hawaii as well. And you get a great conversion on the U.S. dollar. Today's blend is root beer. I've been drinking it for a long time. I absolutely love it. Yet another blend where I probably only have one or two cups left. So, uh, Ruby, if you're listening, get ready for a big Nerd Tees order from yours truly because I'm going to have to restock for the offseason. NerdTees.ca Promo code BWFINEST, save your 15%, get your free shipping or your conversion rate, find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtees.ca. Okay, I've got a goal in mind this week. Last week's episode, the viewership on it was low, and I'm speculating that maybe it's because I've given you three straight episodes that are up over one hour. Here is my goal this week, 16 games, less than one hour. That is my goal. So there's a couple of games here that have absolutely no playoff implications whatsoever. We're going to fly through those games. The games that have playoff implications, we will talk about them a little bit and get you the picks for that. So that's the goal. Sub one hour. Let's do this thing. We're going to start in Tampa Bay on the Thursday nighter. Bucks playing host to the Houston Texans. Now, the Bucs come into this game for the second straight week with a season-ending critical injury in their wide receiving core, which you have to imagine is going to impact their offensive capabilities. The Texans come into this game on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. They did win that game on the road against Tennessee last week, a critical game for them to win in the battle for the division. And that's kind of where we're looking at just right off the bat with this football game. No playoff implication, obviously, for Tampa Bay. But on Houston's side, they sit at 9-5, and five. Tennessee is at 8-6. and six. This division has not been decided yet, but if Houston wins, I think Houston wins the division regardless of what Tampa Bay, or what, regardless of what Tennessee, sorry, does because they, I think, would hold the head-to-head -head tiebreaker. But this is still a battle for the AFC South or the wildcard conversation, which you got Pittsburgh right there at 8-6. and six. If they win this week, they're 9-6. and six. It's entirely possible that if Houston loses two straight games, they don't make the playoffs. 
And like I mentioned, Chris Godwin, uh, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Bucks, he injures his hamstring. He is all but done for the regular season, and that is two straight weeks with a season-ending injury at wide receiver for Tampa Bay. First, it was Mike Evans on a long touchdown catch. Then it's Chris Godwin, and it's almost a good thing. It's weird to say this. It's almost a good thing for the Tampa Bay Bucks that they're not contending for a playoff spot, because if they were, can you imagine how like heartbreakingly nervous that fan base would be because now they're contending for a playoff spot without Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. I'm still not 100% convinced that this Texans defense hasn't caved in on itself. They've got relatively decent numbers over the last month, except for a couple weeks ago where they had a 38-point stinker that they gave up. The Tampa Bay Bucks have been one of the consistently best offenses in this league for the last, well, basically for most of the season, but especially the last five to six weeks, this Bucks offense has been great. And I think it's been a next man up thing. It'll be interesting to see just how much that receiving core is going to change without Chris Godwin there and already in the absence of Mike Evans. I think it's going to be a big week for Brashad Perriman, who looks to step up in that position. I still think the Tampa Bay Bucks win this game. I understand why they're the betting underdog, but I'm going with Tampa Bay despite the injury against a Houston defense that I don't particularly trust. I like the Bucks to win this game. Like I mentioned, Bucks are the underdog in this matchup. They're a three-point dog at home. I like them to win, so I'm more than happy to take those three points against the spread. Let's go Bucks plus three. Total in the game set at 50 and a half points. I've still got this game getting to a low 60 because Houston can definitely score their points. So I feel pretty darn good about telling you to go over 50 and a half points in Tampa Bay, Houston. We're going to go Bucks 34, Texans 27. Now, one of the marquee matchups of Week 16, the New England Patriots at home playing host to the Buffalo Bills. Patriots come into this game with a couple of significant injuries, one on the O-line and one in the secondary. Bills are on the tail end of back-to-back road games, picking up the victory in Pittsburgh last week. Pretty simple conversation in terms of the playoff implications here. This is a head-to-head matchup, Buffalo 10-4, New England 11-3. This is a head-to-head matchup for the AFC East. The winner of this game, I believe, is going to win the AFC East. This is There's still obviously the wild card conversation. Both of these teams have clinched a playoff spot, I do believe. So look, they're both going to the dance, but you want to win the division. You want to be in that conversation for a first round bye. So the winner of this game is going to be firmly in the driver's seat in that conversation. And like I mentioned, Patriots come into this game with a couple of significant injuries. On the offensive line, Shaq Mason, who kind of floats between center and right guard, one of the best O-linemen in football, he injured his ankle. His status for this game is uncertain, obviously, because the Patriots give up absolutely nothing on the injury front. And in the secondary, Jonathan Jones at cornerback, he's got a groin injury. That's the one that could loom large in a secondary that's already down like a starter or two. Now you got Jonathan Jones nursing a groin injury. His status is uncertain. You could potentially be going into this game down two of your top defensive backs and one of your starting O-linemen. This could be a tough, uh, tough sled for the Patriots. 
Now, on the Patriots' side is the fact that they have pretty well controlled this head-to-head matchup. The Pats have won six straight head-to-head, as well as eight of the last nine against Buffalo. But, worth noting, the Bills have covered the last two against the spread, and those numbers were plus 13.5 and and plus 7, so they covered both of those numbers in the last two head-to-head. They've also had three straight head-to-head matchups and four of the last five go under the point total. So defensive battles for sure. In a world where I do genuinely believe the defenses decide the football game, I think I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. I I realize this is a significant upset, especially for this part of the season, but I'm kind of drinking the Bills Kool-Aid, man. I understand that that offense is not everything that it could be and maybe that offense is entirely smoke and mirrors but that defense is not that is an elite defense and look so are the patriots just because the patriots have an injury or two doesn't mean they're not an elite defense i just think buffalo makes that play you know what i mean i just think they make that play that one play the one play that you need to win a tight football game you get a turnover you just make that one play I think the Bills are the ones that make it. It's a big upset, but I am taking the Buffalo Bills in New England to beat the Patriots and put themselves in the driver's seat to potentially win that division. Can you imagine a world where the Patriots don't win the AFC East? On the line, Bills are a six-point dog in New England. Totally understand it. I think this is a number you hedge either way. I think this is a one- or two-point game no matter which way it falls. So I think you should be taking that plus six, hedge one way or the other. I like him to win, so I'm happy to take the plus six. Total in the game set at 38.5 points. I don't have this game hitting 30. Again, if you go back to the notes, they're hitting a bunch of unders lately. I'm going to stay under this number of 38.5 points pretty darn comfortably. Let's go Bills 14, Patriots 13. Let's go to San Francisco now. Niners playing host to a Los Angeles Rams team that got absolutely demolished and embarrassed in Dallas last week. I believe, what was it, 44 to... It was 44 to not 44. So like they, they gave up way, 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 way too many points. A really bad performance for the Rams. Now they're on the tail end of back-to-back road games against a division opponent that's fighting for home field advantage. This is another game, though, where both teams still have something worth playing for. The Rams are not completely eliminated from the NFC wildcard conversation. The Rams can't win the division, but they could still sneak into a wildcard. They need help. They got to win both of their remaining games, and they need Minnesota to lose both of them. I think in that case, the Rams get the tiebreaker, and the Rams get into that last wildcard spot in the NFC. But again, the Niners, you're talking about an 11-3 team. They're right there with Seattle, who's also at 11-3. These teams are playing for anything up to and including a first-round buy and home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. Or they could go as low as a wild card. They're fighting for the division, the NFC West, fighting for a wild card, fighting for a first-round buy and home field advantage. So it's not like the Niners can take it easy and have nothing to play for. 
obviously division opponents that know each other very well. They've traded wins over the last 10 head-to-head. They're basically pretty much 5-5, five and five, I believe. The Niners, though, 6-2 and two against the spread over the last eight head-to-head matchups against the Rams. Worth noting, only one of those eight games had the Niners as a favorite. So there's been some pretty bad Niners teams in there and some pretty good Rams teams. So there's only one of those games has been them as a favorite, but San Fran has covered six of the last eight against the spread. And four of the last six head-to-head matchups have gone over the point total. For me, I think ultimately what this head-to-head matchup comes down to is rewarding consistency. I don't see consistency from the LA Rams. They struggled a little bit. Huzzah, we're back. And then now, again, not so much after giving up 44 points in a spot that it didn't seem like they should give up 44 points. So now they're kind of, in my eyes anyway, sort of right back down to where they were before. And the Niners have been a consistently good offense, consistently good defense, couple struggles lately, but other than that, consistently good defense. I think I have to reward that consistency, and I think I have to take the Niners to win this game. On the line, San Francisco laying six and a half points as a home favorite. And I think there are very few opportunities for me to take the Niners in a spot where they're a favorite by less than a touchdown. I think I kind of got to take that in a matchup with a team that they know very well. I realize the Rams are fighting for their playoff lives. I don't necessarily look at the Rams and think that's a slam dunk home run playoff team, especially not over the last month or so. I'm going to lay those points. I'm going to take San Francisco minus six and a half. Total in the game is set at 45 points. I've got this game at like a high 40, pushing a 50. Like we mentioned, this uh, matchup for the last six have gone over. I think I'll lean on the over in this one. We'll go over 45 points in Los Angeles, San Francisco. Let's go Niners 32, Rams 17. Let's go to Tennessee now. Titans playing host to Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. And congratulations to Drew Brees for being the new all-time passing touchdowns leader in the NFL. Who knows how long that might last because Tom Brady is also still playing football. So I get the feeling maybe they might bandy this record back and forth a little bit. Saints with a dominating win last night over Indianapolis. Indy was not in that game from the first snap. So New Orleans absolutely rolling in that one. I think they got up to like a 44 to nothing lead or something like that. So look, they just, they absolutely dominated them. Tennessee dropping that all important game against Houston last week. Now they get to come home, but they got a real tough playoff caliber, championship caliber opponent on deck that is still playing for something. Again, it's nice to have these matchups where you got both teams who are playing for something and still have playoff implications on the board. Again, for the Saints, 11-3 right now. They are playing for a first-round bye and home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. They've already clinched their division. They're not worried about that, but what they are worried about is not having to play on wildcard weekend and always getting to play in front of the home crowd. Tennessee, again, they're embroiled in that division battle with Houston. They're 8-6. and six. Houston's 9-5. and five. That's not decided yet. They could be looking at a wild card, but they've also got the Pittsburgh Steelers right there with the same record as them. So Tennessee is in a position where they can't really afford to keep losing football games. They do have the advantage of getting the Saints on the short week, having played just last night on Monday Night Football. However... If you're in a position where you really can't afford to keep losing games, it's it's a, it's a real tough draw to have to play New Orleans in Week 16. 
I think the Saints win this game. The Saints have been dynamite on the road all year. Tennessee is an up-and-down football team that it's it's tough to get your finger on the pulse of. And I'm going to shout out Keith Bailey, who is basically my Tennessee Titans insider. He's my big source with Tennessee. He posted a meme the other day of a couple of different pictures of, I think, James Franco, maybe. And it's, 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 it's an excellent, if you've got him on Facebook, and I think he might have posted it, in the uh, YouTube Progs Facebook page as well, taking the Saints on the road in Tennessee. On the line, Titans are a three-point dog at home. I understand that, but I only have to lay three points on one of the best teams in football. I like the Saints to win. It's a small price to pay. Let's take the Saints minus three. Total in the game set at 51.5 points. This is a perfect total for me. I flipped a coin legitimately and I landed on the under. I'm going to take under 51.5 points in New Orleans, Tennessee. Let's go Saints 28, Titans 23. Let's go to Indianapolis now where we got the Colts coming off the short week, getting embarrassed by the Saints, playing host to the Carolina Panthers. This is our first game with no playoff implication, so we're going to fly clean through it. I don't trust the Panthers' defense. That defense has been bad for five or six weeks. I don't necessarily trust the Colts on either side of the football, especially after the abysmal performance I watched last night. But I do trust them enough at home to get it done against Carolina. So I am going to take the Colts at home, despite the short week, to beat the Carolina Panthers. On the line, Indy is laying six and a half points at home, which I just don't think I can do. Although I feel gross either way here because betting on the Panthers against the spread just feels yucky to me. Although it's worth pointing out that against the spread, these two teams, relatively similar records, relatively similar records home and away. I just think this is too many points, so I'm hedging my bets. Carolina could win the game outright, but I'm going to take the Panthers plus the 6.5. Total in the game set at 46.5 points. I've got the game at a mid-50. I think these offenses will finally show up, well, for Indy finally, show up. So I think over 46.5 is a strong play this week. That's the way I'm going to go in Carolina-Indianapolis. I'm going to take the Colts 28, the Panthers 26. Let's go to Miami now where the Dolphins are going to play host to the Cincinnati Bengals, our second straight matchup with no playoff implications. So we're going to fly right through it with the exception of the fact that the Dolphins come into this game a little shorthanded on the defensive side. Linebacker Raekwon McMillan, who's having himself a pretty darn good season, despite obviously all the issues of playing in Miami. He injured his hamstring. His status is uncertain. I I would be surprised if he played in this game, to be perfectly honest, because why keep throwing him out there if he's got a bum hamstring? Why aggravate that injury further in a lost season? I actually like the Cincinnati Bengals here. I like the upside potential of the Bengals offense right now more so than I do Miami's. I like the fact that they've, with the exception of A.J. Green, gotten that receiving core healthy again. They've gotten Andy Dalton some weapons. Also, it's kind of worth pointing out, with the exception of last week where they gave up 34 to the Patriots... Um, that defense has kind of figured things out a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, they only gave up six points. The week before that, they only gave up 16. I mean, they're only giving up 21 points a game over their last four. The defense has kind of figured things out. Can't say the same for Miami. Still one of the worst defenses in the NFL. One of just a handful of teams giving up better than 30 points, by which I mean more than 30 points over the last month or so. 
I'm going to go with the Bengals here. It's a little bit of an upset, although this number is only at a minus one either way. Let's take Cincinnati in Miami to upset the Dolphins. On the line, Miami only lays a single point. I realize why most people are betting on Miami since they're only laying a single point at home, but I like Cincinnati to win. I will take that point on the road. Total in the game set at 46 and a half points. Another perfect total. Another coin flip. Mostly because, like, I mean, good lord. Look look at the two teams. What does it matter? It landed on the under yet again. So we are going to go under 46 and a half points in Cincinnati, Miami. Let's take Bengals 26, Dolphins 20. Let's go to New York now where the Jets are going to play host on the long week to a Pittsburgh Steelers team that is still fighting for its playoff life, trying to sneak into that AFC wildcard spot, which would be such an incredible story given all the myriad of injuries that that team has had this season. So here's the situation for that AFC wildcard spot aside from Tennessee. You've got the Cleveland Browns and the Oakland Raiders, both at six and eight, who are both technically mathematically still alive in the wildcard race in the AFC. So Pittsburgh can do themselves a favor by winning this week and eliminating both of those teams. Or if either Cleveland or Oakland lose, and both of those teams are in tough matchups this week, if either of those teams lose, then they eliminate themselves. Then you're talking about Pittsburgh currently at 8 and 6 and Tennessee currently at 8 and 6, both fighting for probably what winds up being the number 6 seed in the AFC, probably having to play a team like Baltimore, maybe New England. Unfortunately, if you're a Jets fan, I think you can't help but feel like the tide has kind of gone back out on your relative hot streak. I mean, the Jets were playing some pretty good football three weeks ago, but 21 and 22 and six points on the offensive side over the last three weeks and 42, 21 and 22 allowed on the defensive side over the last three weeks cannot have you feeling like this team is still going in the right direction. Meanwhile, look, Pittsburgh, the offensive side, you know that they've been struggling, but that defense is on point. They have not given up 20 points in a single game in the last month. I don't think it happens this week either. I'm trusting that Steelers defense. TJ Watt should be the defensive player of the year. Ooh, I just said it. TJ Watt should be the defensive player of the year. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road in New York, despite the fact that they're on the road and despite the fact that New York is relatively well-rested after getting beaten up by Baltimore. I like Pittsburgh to win. On the line, the Jets are laying three points as a home underdog, which is one of those lines that you look at and go, hmm, but look, I like Pittsburgh to win. Three points is a small price to pay. I'm going to lay those three points and take Pittsburgh minus three. Total in the game set at 38 and a half points. I barely have this game hitting 20. So I feel real good about telling you to stay under on that total. Under 38 and a half points in Pittsburgh, New York. Let's take Steelers 15. Jets, three field goals. We'll give them nine. Let's go to Washington now, divisional matchup between the Redskins and the New York Giants. No implications for the playoffs in this head-to-head -head matchup, so we will just go straight ahead with it. But where it is a divisional matchup, the Giants have won and covered the last two head-to-head -head and four of the last six. Also worth noting, they've won two of the last three head-to-head -head matchups 
in Washington. So the Giants playing very well, specifically against the Redskins in recent memory. Also, usually not a ton of points to be found in this matchup. Seven of the last 10 head-to-head -head have gone under. And I actually really like the Giants here. I think they took a lot of emotional momentum from that win last week. Eli Manning getting that win in front of the home fans, 36-20 to over Miami. Probably the last game he will play in their home building. I think they got an emotional lift from that. Yes, they have to go to Washington. It's a divisional matchup. It'll be hotly contested, but I like the Giants to win this thing outright. Let's take New York in Washington to beat the Redskins. On the line, Washington's laying two and a half points as a home favorite, but I like the Giants to win, so I'm more than happy to take plus 2.5. Total in the game set at 42 points. This is pretty well a perfect total, but I was leaning on the under given that seven of the last 10 statistic I just gave you. So I think I'm going to do that again. Let's go under 42 points in Washington, New York. Let's go Giants 22, Redskins 19. Let's go to Denver now. Broncos are going to play host to a Detroit Lions team that, stop me if you've heard this before, has an injury issue. No playoff implications in this matchup as both teams are on the outside looking in for this season. But on Detroit's defensive line, Mike Daniels injured his arm last week. He has been placed on season-ending injured reserve. So that does impact the pass rush for the Detroit Lions trying to get to whoever it is that's playing quarterback for the Denver Broncos these days. It is impossible for me to bet on the Detroit Lions defense right now. I simply can't do it like to win a game outright because even when it looks like, okay, 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 38 point stinker last week, just can't do it. Don't trust them. Can't do it. I like the Denver Broncos in their home building to pick up the win this week. Let's take Denver to beat Detroit. On the line, however, Denver is laying six and a half points. Ugh. Bleh. Gross. What an awful awful spread and i feel terrible that i'm taking it <laughs> like i i have to lay the points because i don't trust detroit's defense at all i do trust denver's defense i do trust them big time i trust that defense that's a really good defense the offense eh, question marks but not on the defense i gotta lay the six and i gotta hold my nose we're gonna we're gonna do it we're gonna we're gonna there we go we're gonna we're gonna do it we're holding our nose and we're laying the six and a half points on Denver. I spat on my mic when I did that. Total in the game set at 38 points. I would think this would be a popular underplay, but I think this is going to get just enough to move over that. I've got it capped at a low 40, so I don't think this thing flies over, but I do think it gets there. Let's go over 38 points in Denver, Detroit. We're going to take Broncos 24, Lions 17. Finally, back to a matchup with some playoff implications. Philadelphia at home taking on the Dallas Cowboys. And this is like the playoff implication because winning the division is the only way that either one of these teams make the postseason and neither one of them deserve to be there. So obviously, head-to-head -head matchup. Both teams are 7-7. Seven and seven. Neither team is particularly that great, or at least not consistently that great. But this is the battle for the NFC East. Basically, whoever wins this is going to win that division. So this is the battle. Going to have a division champion at the end of this matchup. Head-to-head, -head, the Cowboys have won and covered four straight times. They've also won four of the last five straight up 
in Philadelphia. So kind of like when we were talking about how the Giants have won two of the last three in Washington, Dallas has won four of the last five in Philly. Also worth noting, four of the last six head-to-head matchups have gone under the point total. And kind of like what I was talking about with a matchup earlier where I'm rewarding a little bit of consistency, if there's a consistent bone to be found in either one of these two teams, I guess it's on Dallas's offense because it's been gradually getting better over the last month. From 9 points to 15 points to 24 points to 44 points, they're certainly on an incline there on the offensive side. And the defense has been relatively steady, except for that 31-point blip a couple of weeks ago. But they've been relatively steady. But Philly, 9 points, 31 points, 23 points, 37 points. Or even on the defensive side, 27 points, 17 points, 37 points, 17 points. They're up and down and up and down and up and down. There's an anecdote about that that my father used to tell that I won't tell because who knows who might be listening. But I think I got to give... The edge here to the Dallas Cowboys, even though the game's in Philly, Dallas has handled Philly very well in Philly lately. I think I got to go with the Cowboys. On the line, Philly is a two and a half point dog at home. I actually thought this game would be closer to a pick'em, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was closer to a pick'em as we get closer to kickoff. I like Dallas to win. It's a small price to pay. I'm going to lay those two and a half points. Take Dallas minus 2.5. Total in the game set at 46.5 points. Now, I personally have this capped at a low 50, which is going against the trend that I just mentioned in the notes, which is these two teams are, have gone under for the last six. I don't think they go under this week. I think the offenses are a little bit more on display. I think we're going to go over 46.5 points in Dallas, Philadelphia. Let's go Cowboys 29, Eagles 23. The Dallas Cowboys, as gross as it feels, going to the playoffs. Let's go to Chicago now where the Bears are going to play host to a Kansas City Chiefs team that is still embroiled, not in a division matchup, but are still embroiled in AFC seeding. And that is the only playoff implication here at all. We know the Chiefs are going to the postseason. We know they've won their division. But at 11-3, they're still firmly in the conversation for that first round bye or home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. They need to keep winning if they want to get that. And this is a game that I don't think the Chiefs can afford to lose. It is going to be cold in Chicago. It's a December game in Chicago. That is going to lean more in the Bears' favor. However, we just saw last week, Kansas City can play them some football in some cold weather in the snow. They can do that. The offense can hum. They can put up points. No significant injuries on either side. I got to take the Chiefs in this matchup. That's not going to be enough to overcome what the Bears have not been able to do on the offensive side all season. Chiefs in Chicago beat the Bears. On the line, the Bears are five-point dogs at home, which is a pretty understandable line, all things considered. But it's the Chiefs under a touchdown against a not-great opponent. Pretty good defense, but not-great opponent. So I think I got to lay those points. I think I'd be a fool not to. Let's take the Chiefs minus five. Total in the game set at 45 points. I've got this game at a high 30, maybe broaching 40 points, but I don't have it getting to 45. So I think I got to stick under on this one. Let's go under 45 points in Kansas City, Chicago. Chiefs 26, Bears 14. 
And the last game we're going to talk about is the Monday night football matchup for the NFC North title. Minnesota at home taking on the Green Bay Packers. Minnesota, you start looking at that injury report. And this is where I'll kind of defer to the standings page here. Packers at 11-3. and three, Vikings at 10-4. and four. Vikings have won two straight games. Packers have won three straight. Packers have not lost within the division yet this season, whereas the Vikings are only two and two. Both teams have won four of their last five games. This is the marquee matchup of the week this week. I cannot wait to watch this football game. Green Bay did it to Minnesota earlier in the season. So the playoff implications here are obvious. Head-to-head matchup, like I said, 11-3 versus 10-4 and four, for anywhere from a round one bye to home field advantage. This is specifically for the Packers. But look, this again, this head-to-head matchup, either one of these teams could kind of get this. Minnesota has a little extra in terms of the wild card because they have not technically clinched an NFC wild card spot yet. But... That's what we're looking at for the division title. That could go anywhere from a first round bye and home field advantage, just winning the division, or a wild card spot between these two teams. And like I mentioned, Minnesota in the wild card spot, basically they're a win and in. If they win this week, they are guaranteed to go to the playoffs and they probably win the NFC North. But like I mentioned, the Vikings injury report, the much maligned Vikings injury report, if you're a Vikings fan, now sees Dalvin Cook's name on it yet again. Suffering a shoulder injury a couple of weeks ago, he has been playing through it. His status is uncertain for this game, but he does sound closer to playing through the injury than not playing. If I take Mike Zimmer at his word and take all of the conversations that I've seen at face value, it looks closer to Dalvin Cook playing than not playing. And I know fantasy owners are certainly hoping that he does play, even though the Packers run defense can be pretty decent. But I mean, look, you've got a guy like Dalvin Cook. He's probably your RB1 on your fantasy team. If not, he's a really good RB2. And uh, you're hoping that he's in there for the fantasy championship. As I mentioned, Packers did it to the Vikings earlier this season. That was on the 15th of September. That, however, snapped a four-game winning streak for the Vikings head-to-head against Green Bay. Worth noting, the favorite in this head-to-head matchup has covered against the spread four of the last six matchups between these two teams, and the under is 8-2 and two in the last 10 head-to-head. These two teams feel so evenly matched, I just feel like it's a home team series. Now, in the interest of not looking like a homer, back in week two, I took Minnesota to beat Green Bay. They did not do that. Green Bay won. They proved me wrong a little bit. I am taking Minnesota again this week because the game is in Minnesota. That's the only difference to me between these two teams is who's the team playing in their own building. I should have gone with my gut in week two. I am going with my gut this week. Despite the Dalvin Cook injury, I do think Minnesota wins this football game. Let's take the Vikings to beat the Packers. On the line, the Vikings are laying minus four as the home favorite. I like them to win, and that's at least a relatively small price to pay. Like, you don't have to get to, it doesn't have to be a huge blowout to win the game by four. So, I think I got to lay those points on Minnesota if I'm taking them to win. Let's take Minnesota minus the four points. 
Total in the game set at 45, another perfect total. I was kind of leaning in this particular direction, which for the second time in the last three games goes against the popular trend. I'm going to go over in this one because, again, it's such a middling number of 45. You don't need a ton of points to go over that. So we are going to go over 45 points in Minnesota Green Bay. Let's go Vikings 26, Packers 20. Comes down to the last possession of the game. Okay, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 16 in the NFL. I think we're on pace to hit our under one hour total. So let's try not to screw it up here. The bronze pick where we are six and nine straight up, four and 11 against the spread and only six and nine on the total, sees the Los Angeles Chargers playing host to the Oakland Raiders who lost their final game in Oakland last week. But still worth mentioning, Oakland is still mathematically alive in the AFC wildcard. Oakland would need to win out to get to 8-8, eight and eight, and then they would need some help. But it is still mathematically possible for Oakland to get a playoff spot. Not going to happen, but mathematically possible. Uh, the Raiders won the last time these two teams played. That was on November 7th, so not that long ago. But that did snap a four-game Chargers win and cover streak against the spread. So the Chargers had been playing very well up to that point against the Raiders. Also worth noting, five of the last six and seven of the last ten head-to-head -head matchups have gone under the point total. I feel really good about the Chargers in this spot. I still don't trust the Oakland Raiders. I don't trust the Chargers either, but I mean, if there's one team that they've shown with relative consistency that they can beat, it's the Oakland Raiders. I think it's a good spot for the Chargers. No real injury concern for them or for Oakland, but where they're at home, I'm going to take LA to beat the Raiders. On the line, Chargers are five and a half point favorites at home as the favorite man I, I i think i gotta lay those points it's under a touchdown i don't trust the raiders i don't think they're a good football team so i think i gotta lay those points man man this is double gross i think i gotta lay those points let's take the chargers minus the five and a half total in the game set at 45 and a half points pretty well a perfect total as far as i'm concerned this was my original lean, and for the second straight game, it's going to go against the popular trend in the head-to-head -head matchup. Five of the last six and seven of the last ten have gone under. I just feel like this game goes over because I don't trust Oakland's defense. So we're going to go over the point total of 45.5 points in Oakland, LA. Let's go Chargers 31, Raiders 16. Chargers straight up. We're going to hammer the Chargers minus five and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 45 and a half points. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick where I'm 11 and four straight up six and nine against the spread, but over 500 at eight and seven on the totals sees the Cleveland Browns at home playing host to division rival Baltimore, who comes in on the long week, little extra time to prepare, which is always a good thing for a division opponent. Now, both of these teams, again, still mathematically alive in terms of the playoffs. Baltimore at 12-2, they're fighting for that first round bye, home field advantage. If they get one more win, they probably get a first round bye, but they're still going for that home field advantage for sure. And like we said, Cleveland, still mathematically alive in the AFC wildcard. They need to win out for the rest of the season, and they would need some help, but still technically mathematically alive. Although, technically, it's mathematically possible for me to meet 
like uh, Anna Kendrick and she marries me inside of a month. It's mathematically possible. It's not going to happen. These two teams have traded wins over the last four head-to-head. Worth noting, Cleveland has covered three straight against the spread as underdogs, which they are, obviously, in this matchup. And two of those were straight-up wins. They've also had two straight games go over after four straight going under head-to-head. I mean, at this point in the season, I don't think I can bet on Cleveland beating Baltimore with the way Baltimore has been playing. Baltimore has answered every test that has been put in front of them this season. They're not going to take the Cleveland Browns lightly because it is a division opponent. I just I just don't see Baltimore losing this game. I, I don't know. Call it, call it whatever you want to call it. I... I just don't see them losing this game. So we're going to go with Baltimore on the road in Cleveland to beat the Browns. On the line, the Browns are 10-point dogs at home. That is just a couple of points too many for me. And like we mentioned, Cleveland against the spread has performed fairly well against Baltimore in recent memory. So I think I got to take those 10 points as too many. Let's take Cleveland plus 10 against the spread. Total in the game set at 48 points. I've got the game at a low 50. And like we mentioned, we have a couple of these that have gone over the last few. So I think we're going to lean on that trend and go over this number as well. Let's go over 48 points in Baltimore, Cleveland. Let's go Baltimore 30, Cleveland 21. Ravens straight up, but we're taking Cleveland plus 10 against the spread in a game that goes over 48 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick, where I'm 13 and 2 straight up, 7 and 8 against the spread, and 5 and 10 on the totals, sees the Seattle Seahawks at home playing host to the Arizona Cardinals. But Seattle comes into this game with a significant injury on the defensive side of the ball. Now, no playoff implications here for Arizona, obviously, but Seattle, one of those teams that actually is still playing for their division championship, as well as basically writing their own ticket through the NFC playoffs. Seattle at 11-3, you've got the San Francisco 49ers also at 11-3, like we talked about earlier in the episode. They're playing for anywhere from a first round bye through to a wild card spot. So they could get a first round bye and home field advantage, They could win the NFC West, or maybe they only get a wildcard spot and have to travel somewhere on wildcard weekend. Like I mentioned, for the Seahawks, in the secondary, safety Quandre Diggs has a high ankle sprain that he suffered late last week. He is not expected to play this week. I also know that Bobby Wagner is nursing an ankle injury, but he basically came right out and said, like, I'm playing next week. So I'm going to guess that Bobby Wagner is going to be playing this week. Quandre Diggs, though, probably not. Division matchup here, so got to point out the Seahawks have won three straight and seven of the last ten head-to-head against Arizona. However, the Cardinals are 4-1-1 against the spread in the last six head-to-head against Seattle. So I think there's a win or two in there, maybe. I think maybe one win. But look, 4-1-1 against the spread in the last six, that's a pretty darn good mark. Uh, Sort of the same deal here with Baltimore and Cleveland. I just don't see Seattle dropping this football game, especially in their own building, uh, against a division opponent. 
and just with so much still riding on these last two games for Seattle. And this is actually the reason why I was so excited to have Russell Wilson as my dynasty quarterback. And I thought, man, if I could just, if I can get through to the finals in my own league, man, what a great matchup for the quarterback because Arizona... That defense, not the greatest thing, especially against the pass. So I was like, oh, God, if I could just get to the finals, got to take Seattle in this one. We're going to take the Seahawks at home to beat the Cardinals. On the line, Seattle is a nine and a half point favorite at home against Arizona. And for the second straight matchup, I just think that's too many points in a division matchup. Like we said, Arizona 4-1-1 in the last six against the spread against Seattle. I'm going to take Arizona to cover that plus nine and a half. Little bit of a closer game. Don't think, you know, I think Seattle wins comfortably, but not that comfortably. So we're going to take Arizona plus the 9.5. Total in the game set at 50 and a half points. This is one of my more confident totals on the week. I've got the game capped at a low 60. So 50 and a half, I'm more than happy to go over on. Let's go over 50 and a half points in Arizona, Seattle. We're going to go Seahawks 35, Arizona 27. Seattle straight up, but we are hedging our bets and going Arizona plus 9.5 in a game that goes over 50 and a half points. That is your gold pick and the platinum pick where I'm 13 and two straight up, but only five and 10 against the spread and over under sees the Atlanta Falcons at home playing host to a Jacksonville Jaguars team that has an injury concern as well as playing back-to-back road games, having won in Oakland last week. No playoff implication here whatsoever, but the reason that Atlanta is in this spot, if you remember a couple of weeks back, I also put Atlanta in this spot. They were uh, playing host to Carolina, and I looked at Carolina as a team like, wow, look at how that defense has kind of crumbled in on itself. Hi, Jacksonville. Now, there are injury concerns on the defensive lines of both of these football teams. For Atlanta, Tack McKinley injuring his shoulder he's going to have surgery or already has had surgery he is out for the season which definitely impacts Atlanta's ability to rush the quarterback however Jacksonville defensive end Josh Allen he suffered a shoulder injury a bit of a stinger his status is uncertain this week if he were not to play that also severely impacts Jacksonville's pass rush And if you think I was being unfair to a Jacksonville defense that only gave up 16 points last week, they are one of just six teams in the NFL that are giving up more than 30 points over the last uh, month or so of play. Yeah, they only gave up 16 last week to an average Oakland team, but the three games before that, 45, 28, and 42, this defense, not good, especially considering the offense also not good. It's got to be frustrating for Jags fans to feel like they've taken such a step back after it felt like they were taking such a step forward, but I got to take the Falcons in this matchup. That offense playing very well despite the fact that there's no Calvin Ridley. Atlanta averaging 27 points a game, and in the last two weeks, they put up 29 and 40. If the defense plays adequate, and that's what they've done over the last little bit, they've played adequate football, there's a lot of teams that Atlanta can beat. Jacksonville's certainly one of them. Falcons beat the Jags. On the line, the Falcons are laying seven and a half points as the home favorite. Uh, You know what? It's under double digits. I think I got to lay those points. Let's lay minus seven and a half 
on the Atlanta Falcons at home. Total in the game set at 45.5 points. I've got this game capped at a high 40, pushing 50, so I feel fairly good about going over on it. Let's go over 45.5 points in Atlanta, Jacksonville. Let's go Falcons 30, Jags 19. Falcons straight up. We're going to hammer the Falcons minus seven and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 45 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. Without having done all the edits yet, I get the feeling that we are right down to the wire on my one hour mark. So let's go to the comment of the week from the week 15 episode. And the comment of the week is going to go to Peyote Dreams. And it's a comment of the week that like he ultimately wound up being wrong about it. But I feel like he was wrong for the right reasons. And it's a pretty darn good comment. So we're going to go with Peyote Dreams as the comment of the week. Peyote Dream's comment was, no way Oakland would lose the game against the Jaguars. It's the last game of the Raiders in Oakland before the move to Las Vegas. It would be a huge slap to their fan base if they lose this game. So ultimately, Peyote Dream's was wrong about Oakland not losing the game because they did, but he's wrong for the right reasons because it was a big slap in the face to Oakland's fan base. And Oakland... They responded in kind by like rushing the field and getting in fights with security guards. Like that's a rather fitting end to the Raiders time in Oakland. And again, I totally saw where he was going with that and it was a good comment. And if there was any justice in the world of the NFL, that's probably the way it would have gone. But Peyote Dreams, yours was still the comment of the week from the week 15 episode. Booyah. Think I got it in. I think we're going to be good. I'll do the edits and see where we're at. Thank you so much for listening. That's it for me. Justin Bridgewater's finest on YouTube blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter fueled as always by the incredible folks at nerd tease week 16 is in the books. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoy the games. Hope you're in some fantasy football championships and we'll see you next week for the last week of the regular season. Peace out. Thank you.